Yo, 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 episode number 94 of the It's Just a Game podcast. I am your humble host, Chris Peel, coming back at you with another episode. So this will be the second this week. I usually only do about one a week, but things happen. I wanted to talk basketball with my guy, but then the Carson Wentz news happened. So we definitely had to talk about the Carson Wentz thing. You can't get two Philadelphia fans together and not talk about this Carson Wentz thing. It pretty much took the world. And I don't like to read comments or anything because Eagles fans just drive me insane and they stress me out and they just go, they overreact to every single thing. So I need to be level-headed and I need to talk to somebody else who's also level-headed. So we do that. And we also talk a lot of NBA. We talk about super teams, the stigma on that. We talk about if LeBron James is underappreciated. We talk about the the Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant double standard. We'll definitely get into that. I'll explain on the other side. Uh, we talk about Ben Simmons, how I've I've said this for years. I don't really care about the jump shot. I just need him to be aggressive. I'm going to see if Tyre agree, agrees with me on that. Uh, we talk about if Steph Curry is a legit MVP candidate, like legit one, not just, oh, MVP, MVP, like a legit, does he have a chance to win the MVP? And we talk about the All-Star game, Adam Silver's decision to actually have an All-Star game in this COVID-19 era. To me, what's the point? So we're going to get into that and a lot more on the other side. Thank you for tuning in. Episode 94. Calm down, Kaiba. It's just a game. Uh, The phrase it's just a game is such a weak mindset. The phrase it's just a game is such a weak mindset. If anyone ever uses the excuse it's just a game. Quagmire, it's just a game. Take it easy. But it's just a game. That's right. It's just a game. It's just a game, bro. It's just a what? It's just a game, you know? Uh, So, welcome to episode 94 of the It's Just a Game podcast. I'm your host, Chris Peel. So, having today, for the third time, I got my guy, Tair, from the Philly Experience podcast. Now, I've been neglecting basketball a lot. And mm. I decided to do a basketball episode. So I'm cool. thinking, you know what? I'm going to need somebody to talk basketball with. But then this Carson Wentz news happened. So I'm like, okay, basketball has to be put on the back burner a little bit. So <laughs> we're still going gonna to get to some basketball talk. We're going to get to that. But as a, two Philly fans, I mean, we can't not talk about this Carson Wentz though. So we're, we're going to just dive into it. So what was your initial thoughts when – you saw the breaking news on Bleacher Report or ESPN or however you saw the news. What was your initial reactions? So um, I don't know if you noticed yet, but um, I'm a producer at 94WIP. So, um, you know, some alerts started hitting my phone and, you know, started getting some texts and I'm like, uh, okay, something that went down. Usually when my phone blows up, that's when I know like something huge that went down. I didn't even look at my phone and, I, and my phone was blowing up and I already knew and I was like, okay. So it finally happened. Like, I already knew. And then as soon as I looked at my phone, sure enough, boom, he gets traded. And the first, my first initial thought was, you remember when LeBron won his first NBA championship with the Miami Heat? What was, yeah. you remember what his words were? It's about damn time, yeah. That, 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 and that was my exact reaction. It's about <laughs> damn time. Like, that, seriously, because... You you heard the rumors. You read the yeah. the articles constantly going back and forth talking about, you know, this team is interested and, you know, the Bears aren't really as interested and 
the Bears was going to send this, but really the, it's the Colts that's the players, and they're not getting, you know, the value that Howie Roseman wanted. Like, it was just an all-out mess, and I, I'm just so glad that it's just over and done with at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. And I was on – two weeks ago, I was on my guy Wilson's podcast. He mm-hmm. um, had a podcast called In My Humble Opinion. I was on with him. And he pretty much was asking about the – um. You know, Carson Wentz situation, do you think there's a way he could he will come back next year? And I said, well, initially, I thought they – when they fired Doug Peterson, I just thought that was them choosing between Doug and Wentz. And I'm thinking, like, okay, they obviously chose Wentz over Doug. Right. But then when Carson Wentz still hasn't said anything, and he, they, I still, I'm still hearing all the rumors, I'm thinking, yeah, there's no way in, in the world he's coming back next year. So, like you said, we pretty much knew. It was just inevitable. It was just pretty much – and honestly, I pretty much knew it was going to be an Indianapolis Colts. I mean, I didn't think – I thought they had probably an 80% chance. I think every other team in the league, whoever was interested, kind of made up that little 20%. But for the most part, I, I pretty much knew it was going to be Indy. Yeah, for the most part, yeah, you, everybody pretty much knew it was going to be Indianapolis, you know, with Frank Reich. And then, you know, Carson Wentz's best friend, Press Taylor, is over there as well. So, yes. you know, it, it was pretty much inevitable. I, I I just couldn't get my head around the fact that – the Chicago Bears is going to make the trade because you know that's a pretty that's a pretty messed up situation there in and of itself because everybody pretty much on that coaching staff including you know their front office you know everybody's necks is on the line you make a trade like this you're really sticking your neck out and if it yeah. doesn't work out then Carson Wentz has to go through another rebuild and I, I just didn't see that as an ideal scenario I didn't yeah. see the Denver Broncos as a threat the Houston Texans the Houston Texans absolutely not Indianapolis just made the most sense to me. Right, right. I thought um, Denver, I thought for sure they would get Matthew Stafford. Like, I, all year I've been saying, you know what, this Matthew Stafford, his deal is almost up. He only has a couple of years left. He's still kind of on the end of his prime, but he still can throw the ball. And if you give Denver mm-hmm. a nice quarterback, I really thought that made a lot of sense. But um, I definitely think it's a good situation with him in L.A. because And everybody said, oh, they give up too much, but – I'm sorry. To me, you can never give up too much for a quarterback. And when you need a quarterback, you're not winning anything without a franchise quarterback. And you're never going to win anything with Jared Goff. So if you have to overpay, there's some things you just have to overpay for. Sometimes you have to overpay for Wi-Fi. Sometimes you have to overpay for a phone. You have to overpay for car insurance. Some things you have to overpay for. And I think a quarterback is one of those things. But speaking of overpaying, I I honestly thought we would get way more. And I listened to actually your live that you did on Facebook. And mm. you said, you know, this is not 2017 wins. This is, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020 wins. So I get it. But I I still was a little disappointed when I saw that it was only a third-round pick for this year and a conditional second-round pick that could turn into a first next year. I'm not going to lie. I really was expecting – I don't want to say a lot more, but I was expecting more for sure. So, so, here, so here's the thing. Um, here's the thing. Uh, going back to Matthew Stafford and that, and that huge trade – the thing was the LA Rams, they were guaranteed they here's the thing with Matthew Stafford. I'm trying to put it into words. Matthew Stafford brought consistency in a way. You you know what you're getting in Matthew Stafford. All right. He he's consistently going to give you three to four thousand yards every year. All right. Yep. His touchdown to ratio numbers are pretty decent. They're pretty good. And then you you Put him in that offense with Sean McVay, like the right. investment was just needed and it was there. And it, it it's like you and it's like I said earlier. Okay, you're getting yes, you're getting the good years of Carson Wentz, 
But you're also obtaining that 2020 Carson Wentz with a lot of question marks that was allowed to do what he wanted, that his mechanics were completely off, and that he and that this is a this is a quarterback who's going to need to be rebuilt from the bottom up again. This is almost like dealing with a rookie, basically. Yeah, his much. mechanics were that bad. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a video now, you know, showcasing that, you know, everybody who says that Carson Wentz is instant in this situation, he's not. He's he's one third of the cog that uh-huh. complicated things here in Philadelphia. Like he 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 holds thirty three percent of the responsibility of what's of what's going on here. Like he's not innocent in this and his reluctance to grow and evolve his game is one of the reasons why. So you couple all that. And the fact that now it looks like these rumors that came out about his attitude, you know, and the way he approaches teammates. Now these things turn out to be true. It's not, that's not really a good look for a quarterback. I I don't, I don't care who you are. And then on top of that, you're a quarterback that ain't really that good. Didn't really play that good this past year. So, look, there wasn't a whole lot of teams clamor for Carson Wentz. Uh, that was just really – that was really Howie Roseman, you know, trying to gauge and trying to, you know, get more back and trying to increase the value. But the reality is the NFL know exactly who Carson Wentz is, and they know that he's a project quarterback at this point. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's funny that you say that about Howie because <laughs> – I just felt like he was probably that car salesman, and you're like, "Oh, I want this car," and you think, "Oh, I got, I got a bunch of people looking at this car." No one, you ain't got nobody looking at the car. Like exactly, it's a a salesman, it's a salesman technique, man. I when I worked in a when I worked in a store, I did it all the time. Hey, man, I got a couple people looking at that product. You better get it now while it's still here. Like I did that all the time. Come on, man, ain't nobody being fooled by that. (laughs) Definitely, like, cause I mean, I mean, look, I'm happy for Carson Wentz, but the fact that he hasn't said anything like he hasn't posted anything he hasn't said nothing publicly he hasn't defended the culture like he hasn't said nothing so to me that that quietness speaks a lot of volumes and I always said the only the thing that changed my mind about this was the Kyrie Irving situation and when he, when the rumors came out that he wanted to get traded from Cleveland and when usually players you know you see it all the time a uh, rumor comes out and that player will hop on Twitter or Instagram and say, you know, don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you hear on social media. Don't believe this. And when Kyrie Irving didn't say anything around that time, I'm thinking, like, he probably really wants to be traded. So a lot. So now, and it's probably not a, a 100% exact science, but if rumors coming out like that and you're not even going to say anything about it, you're not going to post a story or just do an interview or say anything and say, no, nah, that's not – I'm with this team 100%. Even if you're lying, if you don't even say anything, I just feel like it's probably some truth to that. So Here's the thing, though, man, and I agree with you. Actions speak louder than words, and that's one thing I'm, I've, I try to explain to people all the time is that yeah. your your actions are always going to be louder than the things that you say out your mouth. And the fact that the matter is when Carson Wentz didn't say anything like at all – that right. spoke volumes of how he felt about this franchise. I mean, he didn't say absolutely anything. Nothing, nothing. came out. Right. Like, absolutely no rumors, no nothing. Uh-huh. Like, he was just isolated to himself and his family. That spoke volumes. And then it didn't help the fact that Jalen Hurts comes out. You know, he's he's going on his little me- his media trip. And he comes out and, you know, they're, of course they're going to ask him about the quarterback situation and things like that. And, you know, he's going to say the generic quarterback thing, you know, I'm going to be working in the offseason and things of that nature to get better and things like that. 
And then to make matters worse, then it comes out that Jalen Hurts is going to take the Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers down to Texas and work with them. Now you're now he's taking your receivers. That's never right. a good look, man. And the fact, and once again, you said absolutely nothing about it. So yeah. for me, that spoke volumes. I knew it was going to happen, you know. And there was this little, there was a little side piece of me that that hoped, like maybe, just maybe, man. If you come back and you know, just compete for your job, man. It's basically yours. You just got to go out and be Carson, basically, yeah, and much. the job is yours again. But uh, unfortunately, as we've seen today, that didn't happen. Yeah, he didn't. A lot of people have been saying that. I've seen that a lot over the last couple of weeks. You know, he didn't want to compete. He didn't want to fight for that job. And I mean, a lot of that's not, I don't know if it's just this generation, but I feel like, you know, back in the day, players would, or you still got some players now, and they want to compete. And it's like, okay, like, I can't, you want to take my job? Like, cool, like I'll, I'll, get, I'll get my job. Like, how can you, anything in life you got to fight for, man? Like, right. like, when you're in school, Okay, you're you're competing with other people for who's going to get the highest grade. Like teachers aren't going to give you a grade just because you're a nice person. No, you got to go out and you got to earn it. Hey, you want that six uh six salary job? You got to go out and you got to compete with other people and you got to prove to that employer that you're the over other people. Like yeah. I, I I just don't understand that mentality today where these athletes think they can be given everything and they act like crybabies. Listen, and that was one of the things that I had a problem with Carson. Listen, I, I was one of the biggest Carson advocates. All right, I defended this man up until the Pittsburgh Steelers game. It was at that point where I said, okay, I can no longer defend this man. Y'all as a coaching staff need to do something about him because he's out of control. Like, he, yeah. so, you need to do something about him. This isn't the Carson Wentz I'm used to seeing. And – he, the reality is he went on for weeks on end, weeks on end, playing the way he played, and it was absolutely horrible football. Like, it, it was some of the worst football I think I have ever seen out of a quarterback. I have never seen a quarterback regress as much as he had. And, been a, and being able to get away with, with as much as he has. Like, the, like I said before, the mechanics, the, the questionable decisions, throwing in the double coverage, to a receiver like J.J. or think of Whiteside. Like, it, it, it was just absolutely atrocious play where a regular a regular quarterback would have, would have been benched, but this guy got grace for several weeks until finally the coaching staff was like, you know what, I've had enough. Let's see what this yeah. rookie can do. And then I think this all stems from the drafting of Jalen Hurts. My thing is this, though. I, do I agree with the Jalen Hurts pick? No, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. So we're in the situation that we're at now. However, the team gave you a a hundred plus million dollar contract, basically saying that you are the quarterback of this team. Why are you looking over your shoulder? Why are you that concerned about somebody taking your job? Aaron Rodgers didn't look over his shoulder when they drafted Jordan Love in the first round. He went out and said, oh, okay, rookie. Hold my clipboard. Watch this. MVP season. Yeah. You, right, right. <laughs> you, you regressed. That, how, how can you call yourself a competitor? How can you call yourself a football player and you don't go out there and compete? And you think you're just going to sit back and just get the, get the job, get the job given to you. No, it, 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 life doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. Even a guy like um, Alex Smith, he's been in two separate situations. In San Fran, they drafted Kaepernick, but he still played. 
and Kansas City, they drafted Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. He knew eventually he was going to get benched. He was going to get replaced. But you know what? In 2017, he still went out there. He did his thing. And then he was he did it like a, the classy way. He didn't regress. He still stayed focused. He actually even helped the rookie. Yep. Right? He, Patrick Mahomes says to the day how much Alex Smith really helped his career. So I just feel like when you look around like that and some people just don't have that mental toughness and they don't – I mean, you, you can say whatever you want. You can say, oh, it didn't bother me, it didn't bother me. But come on. Like we know, obviously, it, it had to affect you in some way. There, there's no way – that it didn't affect you, and like you said, it probably shouldn't have happened, but it did. And so you got to move on. So, I mean, so you got to go out there, the exactly. You got to go out there and prove to the upper management that they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Period. Facts. And you didn't do that. Facts. I'm sorry, you didn't. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, and it's funny because someone asked me on my Instagram when I posted about it, and they're like, "Where do y'all go from here?" And I'm thinking, I, I, I don't know. I guess we either. Play Jalen Hurts, see what he has, or maybe we draft a quarterback with that number six pick. Oh, gosh. Like I said, I'm telling you, <sighs> if the Eagles don't draft either Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith with that six pick, all hell is going to break loose. For oh dear them. God in heaven, yes it is. Oh, you want to talk about some true controversy? Listen, let me tell you something. All right, and, and I hope somehow, some way, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, hear this. Please, for the <laughs> love of God. Do not draft a quarterback at the number six overall pick. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is the answer. Did Jalen Hurts show us a little something last year, given with what he had and what he had to work with? Yes, he did. You do not just, yep. you know, go up against the New Orleans Saints, which at that time was the number one defense, and that it, it come out there with a victory, and you don't come away impressed. Not to mention the fact that I was very impressed with the way he played against the Cardinals. I think the Cowboys. He he played a uh, he played okay. You know. I, that's a wash with that Washington football team uh, game. Yeah. But you know what? Like, I so I understand you're not going to necessarily give him the job. But you're going to force him to compete. That's fine. However, at the number six overall pick, the main problem that went on with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts was a lack of playmakers and a lack of players around them. You need a whole lot of things to rebuild this team considering the fact that you're in cap hell, so you can't go out in free agency and sign free agents. So you right. and your draft history is absolutely horrendous. So you need to hit on these draft picks. You need to draft some playmakers. You're at a very mm-hmm. rare position that you're not often there at at number six overall. Okay, you need either a defensive uh, game changer or you need an offensive change. Um, uh, you need an offensive guy. Okay, please yeah. don't, please don't draft a damn quarterback. For the love of yeah, God, I, I, like yeah, and I'm I'm telling you, man, it, it has to like to me. I don't even think you talking about the, you know defensive playmaker, but I'm you know the way we are, we offensive team now, offensive coordinator here again. You know the way Philadelphia is, it has to be one of those receivers. I'm telling, it, it can't be anybody else. I'm if it's even if it's a great play, it could be like the highest ranking safety linebacker, defensive, and it could be whatever. But if it ain't either Chase or Smith, like. Most of these fans are not trying to hear it because we saw what happened last exactly. year. And if you want to, if, if you want to develop Jalen Hurts into a good quarterback, you have to give him some weapons. And we haven't. I'm trying to think of the last good receiver that we drafted. Um, honestly, it was probably Jeremy Macklin, and that was back in what That's 2009, what I believe. Nine, yeah. I mean, Jordan Matthews was a solid pick. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you Jordan Matthews. Yeah, he was pretty decent here. Yeah. Yeah, and um. I mean, Deshaun 08, Macklin 09, Jordan Matthews 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aguilar in 15, which we're not going to – Yeah, we didn't – Yeah, one good year. 
Yeah, so. But we haven't drafted a great wide receiver in a long time. So this, I mean, what better time than when you have the sixth pick? Like you said, it doesn't happen often. We don't, we're not in this position. That's the only thing we can fall back on about this bad season. We got a top 10 pick, so we can do our thing. I think Carson Wentz can thrive in Indy because you have a great defense. You have mm-hmm. a great running game. You got one of the best offensive lines in the league. You got a couple of good receivers there. You even got a – I'm trying to think who they tight end is there. They they got a tight end as well there too that I can't think off the top of my head. But they, they have a really solid team, so I think he can thrive in that offense. I mean, you definitely can turn him around, but it's just where he's at mentally. I think it's going to depend on him, so. Yeah, I agree with that. A lot of things um, in terms of Carson Wentz now, with him being with the Colts, he's in an excellent situation. All they really needed was an above-average quarterback to really take them over the hump and, you know, have them compete. So, you know, everything now is on Carson. You know, it, it like you said, it's really up to him and where he's at from a mental capacity standpoint of view. Um, the one thing I will say is this to kind of shed a light on this whole entire situation. I, I Listen. I think everybody in this city despises Howie Roseman and then rightfully so Howie Roseman is the main person responsible for this horrid team in the situation that we're in now. But here's the thing guys, since he, you know, since the, since Doug Peterson is gone and now Carson Wentz is gone. So now all eyes are going to be on Howie. And if Howie doesn't bring this team back within the next year or two, he's gone too. And I'll, I'll happily welcome that anytime. Trust me. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel the same way about Howie everybody else does. Like, I do not think he's well-respected throughout the NFL ranks. Um, uh, He's a horrible, horrible drafter, and that's documented. And, look, I think it's time for a change-up topic, and Jeffrey Lord just needs to open his eyes and see that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, if you're going to get rid of um, – you know, Wentz and Doug, I mean, you might as well just clean house and just, I mean, if you're going to start over, you might as well just start over. I mean, mm-hmm. Doug, I mean, Howie Roseman might have been the worst out of the three at their job. I mean, Carson Wentz, you know, he was bad last year, but I think you can fix Carson Wentz with the right situation and mm-hmm. you can get his mental correct. I think out of all of them, I probably would have kept Wentz out of all three of them because yep. I, I think I can fix Wentz. I just don't know if Howie Roseman, you're going to snap your finger and all of a sudden he's just going to get better you know i just feel like mm-hmm. I, I just don't i just don't really see it because players improve all the time but i don't really right. know if a gm from one year to the next all of a sudden just becomes this mastermind genius all of a sudden it just doesn't happen so exactly exactly it, it like once again his his draft his draft history is well documented and you know he keeps player i don't know if it's him or it's jeffrey lorry but it seems like you know these players; they stay longer than the necessary time. Like when yeah. it's just time, when it's time to get rid of a player, do not continue to pay them money and have them, you know, have their salary against our cap. Let, get rid of them. Let them go. Let's bring in some younger talent. And uh, and one of the issues with us, you know, overspending on free agency and you know bringing in these expensive free agents is due to the fact that we have not drafted well. We have not set up this roster well enough in the draft to be able to stay competitive without really having to go heavy in free agency. And until that yep. changes, we're going to continue to have these cap, um, these cap situations. I'm sorry. Like I know how he has historically has been the one good thing that he's done is kept us under the cat. 
But his reluctance to let go of, of aging players and players that need to go has now resulted in the situation we're in now. So until then, until the drafting improves, this, this is going to be an ongoing situation. Yeah, I agree. I um, it, It's like you're constantly overcompensating for the lack of the good draft picks. So you're just mm-hmm. going out and having to spend money on, on whatever. It's like, you know, another analogy will be, you know, instead of just going to get the car fixed every couple of months, you have to get little things here and there, and then you're just having to overspend, overspend, overspend for things. Yep. When if you would have just took care of it a couple months ago, you would have been good. So it's just yep. You keep changing the transmission oil, thinking that thinking that's right. gonna fix it, and instead the whole doggone transmission needs to be fixed. Right. right. If you would have got the transmission looking at, you would be good. But yep. You know it is what it is. It's definitely one of them things where it's funny because I talk about we didn't get enough for Carson Wentz, but it's like we kind of traded. Nick Sirianni for Carson Wentz. I mean, it's like a weird situation. So essentially, you did, and also <laughs> once again, uh, it, I brought it up earlier um, on. You know, me and the boys when yeah. we talked about it. Look, you, you're getting you're getting a project quarterback at the end of the day. I think what you got is pretty generous, to be honest with you, because I, I honestly didn't think they was they wasn't gonna get no Matthew Stafford deal you know, for Carson Wentz. It just wasn't going to happen. Given Carson Wentz's injury history and everything, no. No, you wasn't going to get no no Matthew Stafford deal. Um, You're lucky to get what you got, to be honest with you. Now, what you do with those draft picks, that's going to be the question mark. Yeah, and see, the thing about that is you say, oh, you're not going to get this, you're not going to get that, but it only takes one stupid team to overpay. And I just thought, I just thought one of these teams, like the Bears, would be so desperate that they would overpay for something. But I guess teams are just smartening up, and they're not, they're not falling for Howie's nonsense, and they're no. not drinking the Carson Wentz Kool Aid anymore. So. No, because they've seen what Carson Wentz did in 2020, and it's like I said, it, it's not like you're taking on a quarterback who just had a bad year and, you know, he still put up good numbers. You're dealing with a a project quarterback now in which you're going to have to rebuild him from the ground up because, like I said before, his mechanics were absolutely horrible. You know, yes, the offensive line was in shambles. It was absolutely horrible. All right, you get sacked 50 times. That's not, you know, that's not something you just look over. Like, I I know most of those was on Carson, but a lot of those was also on the offensive line's incapabilities of blocking. That's, mm-hmm. And then the lack of receivers, the lack of receivers to throw to because receivers weren't running open. Like, I, I completely understand. However, Carson Wentz is um, – Carson Wentz, and there's plenty of videos out there. His mechanics were absolutely horrible. I mean, the way he would throw the ball, he would – you know, usually a quarterback would keep their legs, you know, tight. You know, when they, when they rotate their hips and they throw the ball, his legs were wide. And you know what? Yeah. It, it's a it was a lot of mechanical issues going. On. There's plenty of videos out there to 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 prove my case, but it's yeah it, they were teams were taking on a project and they and they knew that. So no, you weren't going to get a, a huge haul for Carson Wentz. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, because the funny thing is, I think back in 2011, mm-hmm. I think we got if I'm not mistaken, we got a first round pick. And Dominic Rogers Cromartie for Kevin Cobb. So I'm thinking, like, if you can get that, that was a, I, mean, I believe that was a second round pick, if I'm not mistaken. I remember that trade, but it was a it was a second round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Dominic Rogers Cromartie, yes, right. Like, and I remember that year because I'm thinking we got Namdi, 
Dominic Rogers, Cromartie, and Asante Samuel, I'm thinking now, no diff- one's ever going to be able to throw one. And saying, you know, now, now the difference. Now the difference was with Kevin Cobb was Kevin Cobb had those couple of games where he threw for over 300 yards and you know three yeah. plus TDs, so he looked good. Like his history said, okay, yeah. this is a guy that really shouldn't be a backup, and he was mm-hmm. a former second round pick for a reason. So, huh, right, you know right. what? A team, yeah, a team might take a chance on that. So that's completely yeah. understandable. You know, you know what you're getting, Carson Wentz. You've seen Carson Wentz, and you know what you got to do to bring back that 2017 form, which I don't think he's gonna, he's ever going to reach that level ever again. But I do think he can be a quality quarterback, given the right circumstances. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I don't think he's ever going to get back there. But I would, I, I want to ask you before we move on to the NBA, mm-hmm. if Carson Wentz did get back to that level, would you be? How would you feel about that? Would you be upset or would you be like happy for him or would you be like, come on, like, how oh, well, you messed up again? So. Oh, all the above? Be honest with you. <laughs> it would straight up be all the above because, once right. again, I, I know I've bashed Carson Wentz this season. I have, but mm-hmm. I've been an avid Carson Wentz supporter. You know, that's my guy through and through. And you know what? I've seen the potential that he had. And I've always said, listen, you put him in the right situation. Give him the right coaches. You coach him up. You you stay on him. You know, don't let him do what you, what he wants to do. And you know, watch him blossom. And the reality is, he was allowed to do what he wanted to do. Nobody really, you know, nobody really checked him. You know, he had all this control. And this is this is the result. He was allowed to do what he wants. So he was allowed to be lazy with his mechanics and the things that make good quarterbacks great. And the reality is this. And all he really needed was maybe some support around him, which is something that I've been advocating for for a long time now. Like, he needs receivers. Like, how long do you think Alshon Jeffrey can continue to do this? And I know he looked halfway decent when Jalen Hurts came in, but he's, he's still not the same Alshon Jeffrey from before. And you no. let's, and let's be honest here. If y'all don't find a speed set to replace Deshaun Jackson, because I'm sick and tired of Deshaun Jackson taking off half of the doggone season because of an injury. Like you need you need new receivers. You need more rece- more capable receivers. And the reality right. is, our thing on Whiteside and the little bit that we've seen from Jalen Rager isn't very encouraging. I I think Jalen Rager could be good. I I still believe I in Jalen Rager. I, really oh, I agree with you. I, I I'm not saying that he's bad. Let's put this let's put that out right. there right now. I'm not saying that he's bad, and I'm not saying that you know he can't prove you know prove why he was drafted in the first round. I'm still willing to give him a shot. All right, I, right. I'm, the jury is still out on Jalen Rager. It's, right, it's, there's so many Eagles fans that are so quick to, oh, he's not as good as Justin Je- Justin Jefferson. You, and I'm like, yeah, down. yeah. For one I, year he was hurt. Like, relax. Like, yeah, I, I know. In the Justin Jefferson thing, and you know, everybody's going to bring that up. That's on how he. Listen, he's being compared to <laughs> a great receiver already. So that's not. Unfortunately, that's the situation that he's in. But I do think that he can at least be a capable receiver. Now, Arthur Whiteside, on the other hand, all right, he, yeah. he has proven absolutely nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> the funny thing is, his best catch that he's had he had all year was that Pittsburgh game when it was like right before the half. Mm-hmm. He caught it and he stayed in bounds, and the time ran out. So I'm like, even even when he makes a good catch, it's still a bad play. So it's like <laughs> this guy could do no right at all. Nope. So, yeah, it sucks. It's just crazy because Carson Wentz is about to be in his sixth year, mm-hmm. and I don't know why time fly, like why time flew by so fast. But it just really seemed like we drafted them just like two years ago. It, but for some reason, mm-hmm. 
this last five years has just like flown by for some reason. They have, they have. It, 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 I agree with you. I still remember the day, you know, I'm sitting 20 back in 2016. I'm sitting in my chair excited because I know exactly who we're going to pick and I'm excited for the direction of the franchise and things of that nature. And now we're in, and now, you know, a whole five and a half years later, now we done traded away um, our supposed franchise quarterback. And I seen this fact the other day that was actually interesting. Um, of the last 22 quarterbacks that's been taken in the first round since, I believe it's been since 2014 or 2015, there are no quarterbacks that are on their original drafted team. That's incredible. Yeah, that is. Yeah, because I was just thinking about 2016. I'm thinking the top two quarterbacks are both on different teams now. Mm-hmm. But now you say that, that, that is like insane. It, it's because, yeah. Yeah, that, that's crazy. I got to. I gotta, like think back to all the quarterbacks that have been drafted. Mm-hmm. But even I remember with uh, Josh Rosen when Arizona drafted him, but then after one year they were like, "No, nah, that's not yet." <laughs> they yep. drafted Colin Murray the very next year. Yep. So it's just like it's just funny when you think about it. It's like mm, one year was not enough. And now I know like Drew Locke with the Broncos, he's had two years. So I think the Broncos are ready to move on from him. So it's it's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. It's still a revolving door with these quarterbacks. And the thing of it is, you know, these teams are patient enough to allow these guys to develop. And, right. and that's the frustrating part, man. These these are kids, you know. They it's it's different, man. You these teams want constant results. Like to be honest with you, the average coach gets about two to three years to get a franchise together. And if you know, if yep. he doesn't if he doesn't get it together, boom, you're out the door. And now, you know, those players, you know, most of them probably being young, now they have to adjust to a new coaching staff, a new way of being coached up, um, a new playbook. Yep. Like, that, that's a lot for a player, and people got to understand that. And I wish these teams would understand that. Look, look, Rome wasn't built in a day, all right? Sometimes it's going to take time to build these guys up. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that is true, man. I don't – I really think in this day and age, people give up way too fast. And every quarterback – and that's why I don't get crazy about when I just said about Jalen Rager. Everyone goes so crazy mm-hmm. – if a player doesn't have a good year their first year, everyone, oh, he sucked through the bus. But I'm like, you can look back at um Mike Quick, mm-hmm. Harold Carmichael, all those guys, they didn't have great seasons their first uh, couple of years. I mean, everybody doesn't – even Terrell Owens wasn't – he wasn't putting up crazy numbers in his first yep. year. I mean, everybody doesn't come out as not Randy Moss or, or Patrick Mahomes or like whoever, like Kurt Warner, and it's like first year as a starter. Everyone doesn't do that. And so some players, it takes time, and I just feel like, these days, we're so impatient with everything. We're just – no, he sucks. Like, he had two bad games. Nah, man. It's over. They, they need to bench him. Like, nah, man. Look, Peyton Manning had a horrible rookie right? season. Like, 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 I need people to understand this. Like, you can't you can't call a player a bust based off of one year of performance. It's a different mm-hmm. league going from the man in college to being one of many men in the NFL. Yep. Like, if, to be honest with you, these kids being drafted, like, you're going up against grown men who got grown men's strength, and they still growing into their bodies. Like, let's be honest here. Like, it's a, it's a different ball game playing in the NFL, and people need to realize that it, it, it sometimes it takes time to develop players. Yeah, but that's what people don't realize. They just think they just step in and be – it's like, like you said, these guys are – you know, if you're coming out of high school or college, you know, you step on the floor or the or the field, you're the best player probably on the field. Mm-hmm. You get to the NBA or the NFL, you're like you're probably not even the best player on your team nope. now. Like you're probably like the 13th best player on your own team. Yep. So 
it's it's a definitely a difference, man. People just have to realize that. And I don't know. I just really wish sports fans could. I wish there was like some virtual reality thing we can do, where you can live a day in their shoes or like a week or whatever, and you can see how tough it is mm-hmm. to be in their position. So you can just be like, wait, wow, this is this is not as easy as it looks. If you, if people knew how much work had to be done outside of the court, all oh, the weightlifting and you got to wait, all, all that stuff, it just it's just way more than what people see. It's not playing 2K where you just go into the joint and, and just start playing. It's, it's not that simple. My goodness, man. Like, even I've, man, even watching film can be difficult at times for me because I can, yeah. I can watch one clip and say to myself, okay, I'm going to pay attention to this player, but then something else mm-hmm. is going to catch my eye. Oh, I didn't see that. That's why that happened. Oh, wait a minute. There's something yep. else. That player did this, which resulted in that, which resulted in this. Like, even watching film is difficult. Like, people need to understand, it is not easy being an athlete, period. Like, and like you said, you can't, you know, it's not as easy as just hopping on the joystick, turning on your system, and, and start playing. Right. Like, no, these guys are concentrating their bodies in the season, during the season, during the off season. Like, they're going, you know, they're going through things with their bodies. They're, going, they're dealing with nicks and bruises that are not reported all the time. Like, yep. people, you got to understand, these, these, are, these athletes are really trained professionals. And these nice. guys, man, the things that they put their bodies through, uh, man, like, in, for y'all entertainment, and y'all, take, mm-hmm. and y'all take that for granted because y'all think y'all can do it, most of y'all couldn't survive. I'm sorry. Like I, I like <laughs> yeah. I call myself dying on the football field doing suicides and whatnot. <laughs> Man, I can't I can't compare to what these players do. Yeah, I mean when I watch anything where even if it's um like an interception or something, or a touchdown happens, or a long just say like a long deep pass that happens and it's incomplete. Just think about their receiver now. They just ran fifty yards, sixty yards down Full the field. Speed. Now I gotta go. Now I gotta go back to the um, back to the huddle. Now get the play, and now run another route. The very next play. So I just ran fifty yards. Now I had to come back and then run yep. back again. So it's just like little stuff like that. I really be like, wow, this is. I don't know how these guys can do this. Not only that, but you gotta hurry up back to the huddle because you're on the time. Because you're right. on a timer. Otherwise, your team's gonna be uh, given a penalty for delay a game. Facts, man. It's 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 crazy when you think about it. Even with the NBA, where you see these guys, you know, still happens and a block happens, then they gotta go back up up and down the court, up mm-hmm. and down the court. So it's just insane to me. So um, so speaking of the court, what's your knowledge on basketball? Do you you watch the NBA? How often do you watch like? Yeah, this probably I've watched the NBA probably every night. There's gotta be. It, I'm always pretty much watching the game. Um, for the most part, I'm I'm covering the Sixers, of course. You know, being her producer, so you know I'm. I, but I do have a good air to the NBA and what's going on. Okay, cool. Because I'm actually glad you said we take people for granted. You just said that about two minutes ago because I wanted to talk to you about LeBron mm-hmm. James. Do you think in this day and age in LeBron's career that we have underappreciated LeBron James? Yes, because I have. I've I, I've had an I, okay. I, let me tell you something. I've had an epiphany over the yeah over the last couple of years about LeBron James. It, I look. I, I used to. I'm a Jordan guy. First and foremost, I'm gonna put that out there right now. I'm a Jordan guy. I'm a Kobe guy. So uh, for me personally, I have those guys ranked over LeBron. You know, in my top ten all time. I, I'm not afraid to say that. But 
I do, I do think that we disrespect the fact that LeBron is a once in a generational talent. Like, there's not many guys mm-hmm. that who that is six foot eight, all right, two hundred and fifty pounds of pure muscle, all right, that has the skill, the ball handling skills of a point guard, ball handling and passing skills of a point guard, and have yep. it have the strength and the drive to work in the paint. Not only that, but now is a very good jump shooter. Like people, like people right. do not understand the type of work, like people put in, and he's gotten better over his career. Like I'm thinking to myself, like what? What is he? Thirty six, thirty seven now? Like I'm thinking to myself, yeah. okay, he should be slowing down. He's not. He's getting better. He's adjusting to the yeah. fact that his body is changing, so his game is adjusting. I love that. All right, and people need to appreciate what he is and and what he's bringing to the game while he's playing. I I totally agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think the fact and you talk about the jump shot. It was a time when he got drafted. That was mm-hmm. not going to be like, oh, he can't shoot. He can't shoot. He can't shoot. But like now, you see him shooting multiple mm-hmm. threes a game. He doesn't. He's doing step backs now. And a lot of times, you watch enough LeBron James, you pretty much know when that step back shot is coming. You can kind right. of sense it now. But when he he does it so much now, where and he makes these shots now. These are shots that he wouldn't even have attempted mm-hmm. back in, you know, 03, 04, 05. But now he's shooting them mm-hmm. with confidence now. And it's insane to me that in this, like, right now, in his 18th year, he's still playing at a high level. How is he still in the MVP exactly. conversation at this age? You're supposed to be, like you said, you're supposed to be declining at this time. Like, every, look, look at everybody in his draft class. Like Chris Bosch mm-hmm. has retired for you know other reasons. Dwayne Wade is retired. Camelo is. I mean, he's he's solid. He's still a solid big player. But Kyle Korver, I think Kyle Korver just mm-hmm. retired. Everybody in his draft class is going, and he's still playing. Not just playing, he's playing at an MVP level. And I just think people don't realize, and maybe they just get so immune to it because they're just so used to his numbers. And everyone is, I'm a Jordan guy. I'm a Kobe guy. Oh, he lost this many uh finals. He, but you just take it for granted because you see the numbers every single year where you just say, okay, yeah, he's going to do it. But it doesn't impress you no more when you do it. I mean, I think about back to uh, Russell Wilson's triple, uh, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook's mm-hmm. triple double. The first year he did it, everyone went crazy about it. The second and the third year he did it, no one cared anymore. So I just think it's kind of yeah, like I that agree because you're taking these play- these great players for granted. Like LeBron James is a 25-point walking triple double every night. Like, how many people in, in NBA history can you say was that? And let's be honest here. As great as Michael was, Michael wasn't that. Michael got his 30-plus points. He averaged about five or six boards and assists a game. That was Jordan. Like, right. Jordan never came close to averaging a triple-double. LeBron has on a numerous of occasions. Yeah. Russell Westbrook, as uh-huh. you just spoke about, numerous triple-double seasons. Like, this is something that, you know, people need to look at. Like, I, look, I understand, you know, the game is different compared to how it was played, you know, in the old school. Of course, yes. you know, you, it, most of these points probably wouldn't be scored back then because you would get knocked on your butt if you even thought about coming into the paint. <laughs> but, look, we're, we live in a different <laughs> era, okay? People need to come into the reality, come into, you know, today's world and realize that the game is different. You need to appreciate the game and appreciate the players playing the game for how it is. But I, I had to come to this uh, conclusion. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I did. Like, I, w- I would argue people all the time. And I still do to this day. 
And I still tell people, look, Jordan Kobe is better than LeBron. I, I'll tell you that. But I, I'm much more appreciative of what LeBron James brings to the NBA. Yeah, you should be because I think a lot of times it's players where I'll watch highlights of somebody from, you know, a couple of years ago. And I'll be thinking like, well, I actually got to watch mm-hmm. that guy play. So I just think we have to appreciate LeBron James while he's here because once he retires, it's going to be changed. And you're going to be looking at his highlights yep. like, wait, did I really hate on this exactly. guy for no reason at all? Like, what, what, what was my problem with him? Like, what was why was I just on social media? All the time talking about oh the flop and uh the crybaby and all that. Like, what was what was my problem with him actually? So I just feel like we really do take it for granted because he's one of those guys where I'm sure you have a grandpa or a dad or an uncle, absolutely or some OG around the neighborhood that that talks about uh, Dr. J and Moses Malone yep. and whatever. And you're thinking like, man, yeah. I wish I could have watched that guy. But you're going to be able to talk to your kids and your grandkids about watching LeBron James, and they're going to be like, wow. And the only thing I got a problem with LeBron is his remake of Space Jam. That was unnecessary and unnecessarily called for. And nobody tell you how to touch Space Jam. Yeah, true. But yeah, no, you can't blame no. LeBron for that. So. Uh, uh. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the producers yeah, and the directors. Yeah, I know, but y'all got to be original in Hollywood. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's true. But I'm sorry. You throw me a couple million in remakes and stupid movie. I'm doing it too. So, like, I'm, I'm just saying. Dance no Jordan. I don't like that at all. <laughs> Yes, I mean it probably won't be as good, but yeah, you know, we'll see. Whatever. Yeah, thanks, man. So, um, Draymond Green had comments the other day as well, talking about the double standard mm-hmm. of the NBA, where they need the same respect as the owners and the general manager get because you're a cancer if you decide you don't want to be with this team, or if you decide, oh, like I, I want to leave this team, and you even get labeled a cancer if you leave in free agency nowadays, like sometimes. And when you want to uh, request the trade, Anthony Davis, uh, players like that, yeah, James Harden, which, mm. you know, the way James Harden went about it was definitely terrible. So you you, you can't really defend mm. that kind of behavior. But when a team wants to get rid of you, it's best for business. Now, I can see it from both ends. I can see it from, you know, this is best for business. But And I talked about this yesterday, actually, with my guy Tramiel. I, the only time I have a problem with a player, with a team getting rid of a player, is when they have to find out from, like, social media or from some random person at a gas station. That's the only time I have a problem with it. Other than that, like, it's a business. I get it. Like, this is what we signed up for. You might get traded. We we might get rid of you. Like, things might happen. So I, I agree. Really have a problem with that. But, yeah, so what, what are your thoughts on what Draymond Green Draymond Dr- Draymond Green provides an excellent point and it's like you said I, I do see both sides of it but I'm going to lean more towards the players because at the end of the day it's the players uh, that's making everybody their money like if it wasn't for the players nobody yeah. would be in business so I'm not going to say that you have to cater to players all the time but uh-huh. you do have to respect the fact that they are individuals as well. And that's one of the things where, you know, that frustrates me about these franchises. Like a perfect example is the Sean Watson, Houston Texans. Like the Sean Watson thing is uh-huh. like the Houston Texans have been abysmal as a franchise these last couple of years with Bill O'Brien. All right. So yeah. he wanted some input into who the coach was going to be and, you know, some roster moves. And I think that's fair considering that, this is your franchise quarterback. Like, this is the guy that's going to take you to the promised land that's going to keep you competitive. And 
Because you did yep. not respect his wishes, he wants out, and I don't blame him. Look, even J.J. Watt asked for his release, and they just outright released him. Like this, Now there's issues going on with the Houston Texans because why you did not respect the players' um, opinions and decisions. And this is exactly what happened. Listen, owners, I understand that you own the team, and the players are your employees, and yes, technically they have to, they have to do with what you tell them to do. Otherwise, you can find them and things of that nature. But guess what? These players are still making your money. These players are putting money into your pockets. So the least thing you can do right. is have them have just have a little bit of input into the moves of the franchise. I'm not saying they have to tell you exactly what player they want and you go out and get it all automatically, but <laughs> listen to them right, and right. consider their opinion. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, so what Draymond had a problem with was, you know, Andre Drummond sitting on the, on the sideline while they're waiting for him to get traded. Also with Blake Griffin, mm-hmm. they're sitting him out while they decide what they want to do with him. So I kind of get that. But you also is, like I said, the only time I have a problem is when you don't tell me. Now, if you're telling Andre Drummond straight up, look, look, we're trying to stop you around, so we're going to sit you out right. so you don't get hurt or whatever, nothing like that. So I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, you're going to trade me into a better situation. At least you gave me enough time to where I can prepare. Now I can tell my family, you know what? I'm probably going to be on a move. I don't know where, but I can tell my wife, look, be prepared, though, because right. I'm going to get traded somewhere and I'm going to another team. But So I don't have a problem with that. Some It's just a lot, of, like I said, it's a lot of times where they have to hear from Twitter or, or whatever. So that's the only time I have a problem with it. But other than that, like you said, it's whatever, man. And a lot of people say, oh, athletes are so overpaid. But, I mean, athletes aren't paid anything. Exactly. Compared to the are getting paid. So, like, the, right. So, like, and, at, and at the end of the, and so at the, end of the I, day, I it's money. the players that's going out there, putting their bodies on the line, making making everybody money, not just right. themselves, but they're making everybody money. All right. There, all right. There wouldn't be no, you know, concession stand people if there weren't people to see play the game. All right. There wouldn't be no franchise to play for if it wasn't for the players that were provided, that provided themselves, their talents to the team in order for the team to make money right. and for that owner to make money. So honestly, I'm like I said, I'm not saying that the players should, they should automatically do everything that the players tell them to do, but at least give them a little bit of a say. And that's all they want is, a, is some respect. Yeah. Yeah, agree. Put some respect on my name. I um. So speaking of double standards, so I have this double mm-hmm. standard also with fans. So it's the same thing with Deshaun Watson. I kind of came to conclusion to that too. Mm-hmm. But Bradley Bill, everyone talk about how good of a player Bradley Bill is, and he is a fantastic mm-hmm. player. I'm not taking that away from him. But when you're a player and you're on the bad team, I just feel like back in the day you were supposed to make your team better. Now it's Oh, get him out of that situation. Oh, he, he deserves better than this. He needs to be on a better team. But when Kevin Durant went to a better team with the Warriors, everyone called him a snake and everyone said, oh, he's selfish or not selfish, but people call him a snake and people said he was a coward and it was the softest move ever for a superstar. So why do we worship Bradley Bill and say he should go to a better team? But when a guy like Kevin Durant actually – goes to a better team. We well, really look, I'm going to be honest with you. I think me and you can go in, could go into that uh, Golden State Warriors team at that time and win championships automatically. I'm just going to put that out there right now. But, um, look, <laughs> no, I mean, I can, play some, I can play some good D. I can't shoot worth nothing, but I can play some good D. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, 
Uh, I, I think uh, trying to get into people's minds, I think with that situation, it was a whole lot about, you know, Kevin Durant already being talented and technically really being good enough to be a franchise player and going to a team that already had two franchise players. All right. They already won championships without Kevin Durant. Now with Kevin Durant being on the team, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, now this is just a little bit of overkill. You know, it, and the old school mentality of, you know, a player, you know, suffering through, you know, it's, it's old school. Like Jordan did it with the Bulls, but that's, that's, it, it's very few examples where a player stays with a bad team and, you know, and that team succeeds. Shoot, right. LeBron left Cleveland the first, first time, you know, and Cleveland was bad for a long time. Look, look, yeah, Bradley Bill is an excellent player. If he still wants to play for the Washington um, if he still wants to play for the Washington basketball team, that's fine. Like that's that's his decision. <laughs> if he wants to play for the Wizards, that's that's his decision. Yeah. Like it it does it. Look, stop putting value into where these players go. They want to go where they want to go. All right, these guys are walking brands. All right, they they they're gonna go mm-hmm. to whatever area they can, you know, promote their brand. So. He feels he probably feels as though his brand is better within Washington. And guess what? That's his decision. If he wants to continue going out and play for the Washington Wizards, that's his decision. Like people need to get over that. Like right. stop valuing these players based off of where they go. They go where they want to go. Look, and now am I gonna devalue, you know, Kevin Durant's ranks and his legacy at the end of his career? Uh, maybe. I might consider it. But at the end of the day, he made his decision. He got a championship out of it. So, I mean, look, he, he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I'd be saying, though, because, like you said, get over it. But that's what I'd be saying about Kevin Durant. The Kevin Durant situation is, and people are still, like, upset to the day that he went to Golden State. And they needed him, though. Like, I mean, I know, look, they won 73 games that year. But they, they didn't beat Cleveland in the finals. They, they, they blew a 3-1 lead. And Kevin Durant got them over that hump, and it made it to a point to where they were pretty much unbeatable, and they had, they just had to go out there and win. But Kevin Durant is who they needed. They actually scouted them himself. Like I think Steph and Draymond actually went there and and wanted them to come there. So they obviously wanted Kevin Durant. It's not like exactly. Kevin Durant knocked on their door and said, "Oh, I want to come here." It's, they they went he they went to him. So and he was like, "You know what? All right, let's do it." But. I just feel like at this point people need to get over it. Like I'm Kendrick Perkins last year was still talking about it. I'm just thinking like, dog, like get over it. It's over. Like he did what he did. He got two rings out of it. And it's not like he just rolled the coattail. Yeah. He actually won MVP yep. with both of those rings. And the reason that they and the reason that they lost the last ring is because he got hurt. So Kevin Durant was probably the most important player on the And listen, people, teams. these these super teams have been around since the beginning of the NBA. All right. The Bulls were a super team. The Lakers have always had a super team. The Boston Celtics have always had a super team. Shoot, even the Sixers at one point in time were a super team. These super teams have existed. So, look, superstar players are going to play with each other. It's going to happen. Get over it. Uh Facts. And I, the only thing I would say, I think people are talking about the super teams back in the day were pretty much drafted and molded together. I think the, the two super teams today are free agents, but it is. this is a free agency era. Like mm-hmm. there was no free agency back in the day, so it's a, it's a different time. But 
I feel like I never was mad at the Warriors because one, yes, I like to watch great teams. I like to watch great players. I don't know. People just <laughs> hate greatness for some reason. Like people hated to watch the Spurs. People hated the Lakers. People hated the Patriots. People hate hated the Warriors. I just don't get it. Like I don't understand why you don't want to watch greatness. I know. Look, if they beat your team, I right. get that. Like you can be upset, but if you're just watching too, like the Raptors going against the Warriors, like why would you exactly. not want to watch the best team possible? It makes no sense to me. But so and. I don't like these super teams. It's like it is what it is at this point. Like, yeah. like, who cares? Yes, like, look, man, stop just finding anything to complain about people and appreciate the greatness that you are witnessing. Appreciate the greatness that is in front of you because it only happens. It only happens once in a blue moon. All right. I need everybody to stop complaining about LeBron James. Stop comparing him to Jordan. Stop comparing them to the greats. Right. Stop it. That conversation needs to cease. Yeah. Appreciate and... LeBron James while he is playing because there's going to be time where you wish you could see LeBron James play again when you wish you could see another LeBron Thanks. James in the NBA. Thanks, man. It really is. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. But like one last point in the super teams that we're going to move on to some uh some oh. Ben Simmons talk. The mm-hmm. point of having a good team is to, you know, draft and, you know, build mm-hmm. up your players like the Warriors did. And then other star players are going to want to come to your team. So I, I don't really see why people are mad at the Warriors for doing yep. and they built their team the right way. They they drafted Draymond, they drafted Steph, they drafted Clay, they they got Igadala with, with a cheap contract. They got like other guys like Murphy Spates mm-hmm. and and Sean Livingston and guys like that. And then Kevin Durant came and just put the cherry on top. Yep. Like that's how yep. you're that's exactly to how you build a team. You build a team through the. As a matter of fact, I completely agree with that. I don't care what what type of team it is, whether it be a basketball team, a football team, whatever. I've always believed in building through the draft, and then once those players, once you develop those players into the stars that you want them to be, then you might add a, an extra free agent or two to take you over the top, and boom, championship. Right, man. That's that's the name exactly. of the game, man. Don't hate the player, hate the game. That's all I'm saying. So, um, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons. So, early mm-hmm. on in the year, I'm not going to lie, I was a little skeptical because mm-hmm. I've been a huge Ben Simmons fan, but early on in the year, he was averaging like 12 points a game, and he was not aggressive at all. But these last, like, I want to say two weeks, two and a half weeks maybe, he's been coming out aggressive. The last game we played against, not the last game, but he, he was hurt the last game, but the last game that he played mm-hmm. against Utah, I believe, yep. he came out and scored like 19 points yep. in the yep. first quarter or something like that. And I'm thinking like, this is the Ben Simmons that I need to see. Everyone talks about the shooting and all that. I don't care about the shooting. I just need him to be aggressive. That's I, what I need. I completely I completely Jump agree with you. Um, I um, I had a huge epiphany about Ben Simmons this season as well. Um, for the... <laughs> Look, man. <laughs> for those who li- for those who listen to my podcast, y'all know I used to get on Ben Simmons about that jump shot, and that was that was always a thing with me. Uh-huh. And his lack of aggressiveness, and his, him being very passive at times, like I was getting on him about that stuff, man. But it, I forget what game it was that we went up against. I forgot what team we went up against. It wasn't Utah. Um. Hey, it, it was one of those games where Embiid was out, but I seen Simmons in a new light. We still end up losing that game, but I seen Simmons in a new light. And I'm saying to myself, yes, like, that's the Ben Simmons I want. You may not shoot the damn ball, but at least you're you're aggressive. Like, you're taking things into your own hands. You know right. that there's nobody on this court that can stop you. 
Yes. This is the Ben Simmons that I need to see. Yes. Now, here's the thing. You say you don't care about the shooting. All right. Well, first and foremost, I, I found a new appreciation for Ben Simmons. All right. I will never depreciate Ben Simmons ever again and what he brings to the Sixers. Okay. Never, ever again. However, I will say this. You mentioned the fact that you don't care about the shooting. I still do. Here's why. In the playoffs, it still affects this Sixers team. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but the last couple of years when the Sixers have been in the playoffs, they've basically been playing hack and they've also been playing very off of him in the playoffs. And they've allowed him to be this yeah. passive Ben Simmons. Like, that's the thing that changes with a, a – sh- I'm not saying you have to be a Ray Allen, but you at least got to – right. I gotta have the defenders respect the fact that you can make that shot and that you will at least shoot that shot. Like bare minimum, I don't need you yeah. to be the sharpshooter, but I do need you to be a respectable shooter where defenders can't just sag off of you, you know, and sit at the free throw line where you're out out on the perimeter at the free at the three point line, you know, looking for uh looking for a teammate to pass the ball to. I can't have that. Yeah, I mean, I like I agree with that to a point, but to me, I've seen him have so many great games without needing that jump shot to where you're surrounded. Like, the way they built this team now, they pretty much surrounded him with a Agreed. bunch of shooters, and I love the way they built the team. I love that they got Seth Curry and Tobias and Danny Green. And, and Danny Green, he'll have a couple of good games every yeah. once in a while, but you know what he is. At yeah. this point, you know, he's whatever. Like, honestly, that's the only thing that, that might hold us back, honestly. If we can upgrade that shooting guard position and get like a, I don't even, I don't even know, like just like somebody like a, a Lou Williams or something, like probably not that size, just somebody who can, like being a star. I know Shake Milton is really good off the bench. Tyrese Maxey can give us like something off the bench, but if we can put somebody in that starting two guard role, who can give us like mm-hmm. just a little more production, I think that'll will be like. Really, really. See, I'm clear a little bit. The I'm a little bit different on that on that mindset. I think you can get away with still having um, Danny Green, but I do think that they need to work on the bench a yeah. little bit more because Bergman Corkmans, man, he ain't giving you nothing off the bench at this point. All right, what's the point of playing him? At, the, at sometimes I, I get so frustrated at Bergman Corkmans, man. I'm like, yo, man, if, just stop shooting. Stop shooting the ball. All right, you, you're horrible. All right, please just pass the ball someplace, somewhere else. Please. Like, even when you're wide open, I'm not confident that you're going to make it. Like, that's how horrible you you have been playing this season. Matter of fact, it's not even this season. You've been very spotty these last couple of seasons, as a matter of fact. So, look, man, they need to work on that bench yeah, right. and get more shooters coming off of the bench, more or less than – I think the starting five is fine. Don't touch starting five, but build upon that bench. Get some more shooters for that bench because, you know – should the starting five need a rest or you need some sort of a spark and you still need to keep that shooting up? That's the big issue. That's the big reason why they can't, they really can't stay competitive in, in the games that they've lost is because the bench really isn't providing a whole, whole lot when those starters have to rest. Right. I mean, I do agree. I mean, the starting lineup is fine. Maybe this is just me being a little greedy because I think we can win with Danny Green there. I just, I would feel so much better and more confident if we did add like another, like a better player at the position. So, but like I said, that's probably just me being greedy. If they did work on the bench, that that'd probably be better for the team anyway. Cause I think, I mean, the star five is, I think 
13 and 1 this year when they all play together, which is like good, but it's also sad at the same time that they've only played like that many I agree games with together you. with all five of them. So, but um, yeah, we kind of got off track though. So, back, back to Ben Simmons, I've seen him have like numerous good games without needing that jump shot because the way they build the team around him is fine. And if he just be as, as aggressive, like I said, with the hook shots, with the jump hooks, with the floaters, just getting to the lane, finding an open shooter, we've seen him have those games. So, I'm not as upset about the – like, there will be games when – I saw – he had yep, a good game did. last week, like I said, against Utah, and every, and people was on there like, oh. Look, man, he, three, though. Look, like, man it, that man scored 40-something points against Utah, man. That Listen, like, people need to get over themselves. Right. Thanks, man. It's like – That ain't, what, that ain't the time to defend – to, to, to go against him with that jump shot. That ain't the time. Right, right. Thanks. I mean, to me, I'm old school. So to me, it's about getting the easiest shot possible. I know in this day and age, <laughs> everyone in their mind wants to shoot a three. Damian Lillard and, and um, Trey Young, they want to shoot from the logo because, oh, I can shoot from deep. Like, that's another thing, too. That's an unpopular opinion I have. <laughs> I don't understand these deep shots at all. What's the point of shooting a shot from way back there? When it's the same amount of points, why are you shooting from so far Look, back? man, I'm going to be on, I, I, man. We must be some old souls, because I definitely agree with you. I'm so sick and tired of, you know, before COVID times, going out in the park playing against some young bucks, and all they want to do is shoot from the damn perimeter. Yo, man, if you don't step up, because if you, man, if you break another shot, I kid you not, I'm not passing you the ball. Like, I'm so sick of these. I'm so sick of these guys looking at these players shooting from the yeah. logo. Like, what is the point? Okay, I do see the point. Yep. If you're going to sag off that much and you know I'm that good of a shooter, I, okay, that's fine. But, like, listen, people, if you're just an average Joe, there's no reason why you should be shooting from half court. You're not that damn good, all right? You're not in the NBA. This right. game don't count. You ain't getting yeah. paid. Step your behind up and get this work. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Because if I, if I'm playing this if I'm playing the scrimmage at the park like and especially if it's like a two on two or something like that like three or three mm-hmm. or less I'm going to the hole every single time I'm not shooting a jump shot unless I have to like unless you clogging up the lane with a five on five or something like that I'm going to the lane because most people on the street don't want to play defense so if you kind of yep. drive they're not really going to stop you yeah. so like just get the best shot possible and that's how I feel about it and to me. You know, a guy like Shaq. Shaq never made a three. I think he made a few threes. I, mean, three. I like, got to do my research. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'll say. Maybe I'll look it up afterwards. But that was – he was dominant in the paint, though. And I know he's not as big and dominant as Shaq was, but that's the thing to me, getting the easiest shot possible. I don't understand why I, – look, I get it in this day and age. Everyone wants to shoot threes. Everyone shoots a 1,000 threes a mm-hmm. game. And that's why the scores are just so high. But I just don't – if you surround them with other three-point shooters, I'm not really worried about Ben not shooting threes like because there's other guys that, that has that job. I do him. agree with it, that. It makes no sense I, I do agree with you, especially considering the fact that Ben Simmons is a six foot ten, two 220-pound demigod of a point guard. And for the most part, he's going up against somebody that's always pretty mm-hmm. much smaller than him. So, yes, I do agree that Ben Simmons just needs to take the, the mm-hmm. easiest shot possible. But I do see that aggressiveness. You, you know, every game. Like, I don't need – I don't yeah. need to be seeing you so passive. Like, if you have a lane and you, if you have a mismatch, please take it by all means. Like, you right. you know that you're bigger, faster, right. better than the opposing guy. Go after him. Don't be shy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's times when I've seen the lane wide open and he'll like stop and, and look to pass. And I'm thinking, yeah, did you see the lane right yes. there? Just go right there and just take the hook shot. It's two easy points, like literally right there waiting for you. So this time I do get frustrated at that. But like I said, it hasn't happened a lot recently because mm-hmm. recently, I don't know what clicked in his mind. I really want to look back at the last couple of games, but he's been really, really aggressive lately. I don't know if he's trying to make the all-star team or what, but like, I it's, agree. Just, it's, it's something there, but something has clicked. And I hope, you I got that right, man. This is the here. Ben Simmons really that we need. As a matter of fact, this is the this is the only way the Sixers are even going to make it to the finals is if we see this version of Ben Simmons. Yeah, facts, man. Facts, facts. Um, so two more mm-hmm. things before I get out of here. I'm gonna make them quick. Just yes or no. Steph Curry is he a no. legit MVP candidate this year? No. The, the record no. and the when record? I think of MVP, I think a guy that's gonna that makes his team better that elevates his team. Right now, that ain't Steph. Oh yeah, his numbers are his crazy. Numbers are now, right now, if there was <laughs> there was a thing called you know an individual valuable player, then yeah, absolutely. But in, when I think of MVP, how are right, you right. the most valuable player to your team? It's a basketball is a team game. That's the thing with Steph. But also, on the other side. If Steph wasn't on that team, I True. mean, they probably no doubt. have like five. I, I completely agree with that. So, yeah. And so, the last thing I was looking, I think Adam Silver mm-hmm. did some press conference either yesterday or today talking about the All Star game. And he was saying, oh, no parties and no get- gatherings and get togethers. And to me, it just got me thinking. Why yeah, you might want to take a break. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. When they first announced it, I was I was excited. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I'll have some entertainment stuff to look at. But then I'm looking, you know, at some of the things that's not going to be there. I'm like, well, well, what's the damn point? Like, at this point, you might as well just hold off on it for another year. Yeah, like, it's like facts. Even the players. I mean, um, LeBron said something about it. He said, I just, I don't really understand. First of all, I thought, like, LeBron, the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, like teams that kind of went deep last year, they their turnaround was pretty short because the season pretty much just ended for them. And now you had to turn around in um in December and play a game when the season just ended in like yep. September, October. So that's crazy to me. And now they needed this rest, they needed this break. Like that that yes. week off would have been they would have did wonders for yes. a lot of these teams. There's a lot of injured players right now. So I don't really get the All Star game at all right now. I think this year you can do the selection, right. so you can you can be on your resume, like cool. I was a seven-time All-Star. No. Cool. But you don't need the game. Like It should have been just like the Pro Bowl. No, nah, man, like, just give it a rest whatever. this season, man. Just, let's, let's go back and let's regroup. Let's have That's a regular it. All-Star game next year. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, Man, so that's actually all I got. Thanks for anybody that made it through the end of this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Thank you, Tyre, for hopping on with me again. Actually, I said the third oh, time. Oh, man, it's been four it's times the already. Time you on, I believe so. Yeah, because I know we did the one episode, like, it was before the Dallas mm-hmm. game, I believe, but then I had you the very next week. That's we talked true. About for like a whole hour, how much we hated them. And then, That's yeah, true. Then we talked about Jim and my Schwartz hatred towards Jim Swartz, and now he's gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, cool. So maybe Guy Rosen might get fired. I'm on a roll. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) All right, man. I appreciate you hopping on. Uh, If you guys are interested in his podcast, look up 
the Philly Experience podcast. You can look him up on YouTube. He does like some really good stuff with the film work, so definitely check that out. Uh, his podcast is called the Philly Experience mm-hmm, podcast. Max, he does it with yep, Max Rezula and Tanner right? Martin. Or the three sometimes. There you go. Cool, cool. All, All right, right, man. Thanks. I appreciate you hopping on. I'll talk to you later, man.